Well, I am absolutely confident that every single one of you is a liar. Now, some of you have just walked in for the first time and don't know from Bar of Soap, but I still think you're a liar. And I can prove it with one picture on the screen. <laughs> Did you really read the terms and conditions? We come to a moment in Deuteronomy where the terms and conditions of what it means to follow God are articulated. Now, God's people know they're God's people. They've been shown the law, what's expected of them, and then God tells them the terms and conditions, or in other words, the blessings and the curses of what it means to follow God. And he wants his people to know it full well, not just simply tick. Before we jump into the unusual way in which God gets the message across, we need to look at four things. First, we need to step back a bit and look at the universal blessing and curse. Then we're going to look at the Old Testament blessing and curse. Then we're going to look to the future blessing and curse. And then finally, we're going to look at the present day blessing and curse. So four things. So let's start big picture. What is a blessing? Now, I could go to the dictionary, but I went to Instagram. Now, what is blessing? Hashtag blessed comes up 135 million pictures time. Most of those pictures are people with a coffee at the beach or women pouting their lips. Hashtag blessed. This is what our culture thinks blessed is. But according to the Bible, blessing is not earned. It is not a reward. It's a gift. God's favour as a gift on your life. Now, everyone has been blessed. You open the first two chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, and God made this world and he made you to enjoy this world. For you to even tweet hashtag blessed shows that you are blessed because you're alive. Not only that you have a phone in your hand. All of us have been blessed. But then there's a curse. What's a curse? Now, curse is not a language we use all that much. We don't hear much saying, I'm going to I curse you, right? We sort of substitute it with, what, I'm going to sue you. That's probably the modern-day curse. But curse is not a thing we talk about. We kind of think medicine man. We kind of think along those kind of lines. But curse, biblically speaking, is the consequence of rejecting God. You see that in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve lived in paradise and they rejected God's word. The man was cursed. The woman was cursed. The world is cursed. And you and I feel the effects of that, don't we? I mean, you watch the news each night. And that is a 30-minute show just to show you how broken this world is just today. Now, this universal blessing, this universal curse, you have no choice over it, right? You didn't choose to be born, did you? You didn't choose to be born into a broken world. But whether you're a Christian or not, Israelite, Canaanite, Australian, all of us have experienced the universal blessing and the curse of this world. And it had nothing to do with us. That's important because we're going to come back to that. Hold that thought, right? Let's look at the Old Testament blessing and curse. 
See, the blessings and curses that are shared in Deuteronomy 27-28 are not for all people, but they're specifically for God's people, the Israelites, that God had chosen a people to have a special relationship with him, and he redeemed them and saved them, given the law of how they're supposed to behave and live. And then when that is finished... He tells them the terms and conditions, the blessings and the curses. That what would be the blessings that would be given to them if they were to follow God and what would be the curses to follow if they disobeyed God, right? And he wants them to know full well. So in Deuteronomy 27, which you just read to us, the law, notice it's written down. Moses is about to die. They write down the law, right? God's word is always written down. And then the dividing of God's people. There's about 3 million of them. So about 1.5 million go up one mountain, Mount Gerizim. And there they listen and declare what other blessings that they would experience if they follow God. And then the other half of the nation, 1.5 people, head up the northern peak, another mountain, Mount Ebal. And there they listen and declare the curses that they would experience if they disobeyed God, right? And notice they say, Amen, right? They're agreeing. We know what the terms and conditions are. We know what's to come if we obey and if we disobey. Amen. We agree. So let's briefly have a look at what those blessings are, what they're articulating. Verse 20, chapter 28, verse 1 says this, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you. And accompanying you, if you obey the Lord your God, you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and when you go out. A couple of observations. Notice they're very physical. These are physical blessings. Your harvests will be abundant. Many children, whether it's the country, whether it's urban environments, or transformation, right? But as these blessings go on, it almost seems too good to be true, doesn't it? Almost over the top. Everything you touch will go well. You don't need to borrow, but always lending. Abundant prosperity comes your way. Now, it's easy to think, just in reading this, it's sort of God is this vending machine. As you obey God, cha-ching, here's your reward. But remember, they are God's people. He has chosen them. They are loved by him. They're about to enter the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The question is, what God is going to think about, will they seek to enjoy God's blessing by sticking close to God? God has chosen them. Will they choose God each day by obeying him. It's like a child whose parents own a hotel chain. And that child can walk into that hotel and get any food they want, access to any of the facilities, the best room in the hotel. But if that child went, let's say, down the road to another hotel, a different chain, and complained that they weren't treating the same way, what did that child expect? When it came to God's people, they experienced the blessing of living in God's land. But if they went down the road and started worshipping another god, another idol, and thinking entitled to the blessing, what did they think would happen? 
Now, my question is, with all these blessings, with all this abundance of presence, why would you not want this? Why would you not choose this, right? Because would you not want... This is pretty good, right? Why would you not to? It's because the heart is so easily deceived, isn't it? I mean, Adam and Eve lived in paradise. Why did they pick that fruit? Well, on the screen, Genesis 3 verse 6 says, it was good for food and pleasing to the eye. That sin always looks pleasing. You wouldn't do it, I wouldn't do it if that was not the case. On the outside, it looks so appealing, but underneath, it offers these promises that are false, hope that is fake, and satisfaction that is oh so temporary, and it always, always leads to death. Not just physical death, but death in every area of your life. So let's turn to the curses. Verse 15 of chapter 28. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city, cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. And the crops of your land, the cars of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. You'll be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. And it continues. You notice, just like the blessing, they're very physical. And they're the exact reverse of everything mentioned in the blessing. And 28 is a long chapter. And there it says, for those who rebel, they will experience plague and drought, invasion, famine, physical discomfort, agricultural disaster, military defeat, economic collapse, marital failure, and exile. And verse 45 says, all these curses will come on you. They will pursue you, overtake you, until you are destroyed because you did not obey the Lord your God. This picture, and we only read a taste of it, is bleak and it is confronting. Now, why is the list of curses so long compared to the list of blessings? Yeah, have a look. Have a look at your Bibles. Page 172, 173. 14 verses dedicated to blessings, 53 to curses. A couple of thoughts. Instead of drawing us closer to God, prosperity and wealth has a way of making us spiritually apathetic and indifferent, whereas suffering wakes us up. But you know, a good warning has a very helpful educational purpose, doesn't it? Don't let this happen to you. I mean, you pick up a cigarette packet, what do you see? A warning. Don't let this happen to you. You see signs, don't swim here, shark. Don't drink this, poison. If you have a mortgage, have you ever read that contract in detail? It's not an uplifting read. (laughs) It's telling you all the things that will happen to you if you do not pay that loan back, and it is bleak, right? It is saying, do not let this happen to you. Now, we can read this and think, maybe God is vindictive, but I'll tell you why he's not. Because if he was a vindictive God, he wouldn't tell you the warnings. He'd hide them and let you find out the hard way. But he is mercifully warning his people, if you go down this road, this is what that road looks like. Second number of years, uh, my family and I, we went on a a boat. Lovely day. It was a great boat. And uh, the skipper was telling us again and again, went on and on and on about what was expected, that how we're to 
hop on the boat, how we would need to sit the whole time, they would keep your hands in the boat, on and on and on and on and on. Now, you may think it's overkill, but this boat was a croc-jumping cruise. There's a picture on the screen. It may seem overkill, the warnings that went on and on again, but they were merciful warnings to keep your hands inside the boat because that skipper knew the danger if you didn't listen to him. These warnings for God's people are there to say if you reject God, the source of life, the giver of life, the laws that promote life, then you're accepting death and destruction and chaos. Now, our problem is we want the blessings that come from God. We want justice for others, but an exception for ourselves. We want this good, but we don't want to repent. We want to keep the sin alive, but that's not how God works. He can't turn a blind eye. And the sad reality is all the judgment, all these curses that are described in verse 20, uh, chapter 28 actually happened, and you can read about it in Israel's history. But that's their story. That's the Israelite story. I mean, these are blessings and curses for them. Why read this? Why spend a whole Sunday on this, right? If these aren't blessings and curses relevant to what, why read this? Because this has more relevance to you than you think. Everything in the Old Testament is a picture, is a whisper, is a shadow pointing to the ultimate story. That their history becomes our history and we need to learn from it. That Israel had a choice. Choose blessing, choose curse. And you and I have the same choice. Will you choose blessing or will you choose curse? Because why did Jesus come to earth? So that you would know the terms and conditions of life. The curses and the blessings that await if you obey or disobey God. Now, unlike the universal blessing, which you had no choice over, it is not the case when it comes to your future. You very much have a choice. Are you choosing blessing or are you choosing curse? Because Jesus Christ, God himself, when he came to us, spoke about the curse that awaits if you reject and disobey God, and he called it hell. And Jesus warned about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. He says in Mark 9, verse 47, Hell, where the worm that eats them does not die, and the fire is not quenched. Again, imagery that is not comforting, it is confronting. The eternal existence of the, under the curse of God. And like a smoke alarm is piercing to our ears, and it, we hate it, it is there for our good to warn us that the fire is coming. And when God speaks about hell, it may be offensive to our ears, but it is a warning to say hell is real and it is coming if you reject God. Your life, no matter who you are at this point in time, is a mixture of blessing and curse, good things and bad. You reject God, the, the blessing goes. It's all gone and it becomes all bad, all death. The worst thing that can happen to you is not you have to move to Western Sydney. Not 
your kids don't make it to private school. The worst thing that happens to you is that you may not never travel overseas again. No, you know what the worst thing that can happen to you is? You spend an eternity in hell. That is the worst thing that can happen to you. There's an American entertainer who was very much on death's door, terminal illness, and he was interviewed. And the interviewer asked, what are you afraid of? And the entertainer said, that there's a hell. But quickly added, I think it'll work out in the end. It's amazing how us humans have a way way of turning legitimate fears into things we think we can ignore. If that's you, if you think, oh, it'll work out in the end, it won't. It won't. Now, you might be thinking, oh, you're just trying to scare me, James. Who cares if I'm trying to scare Ask the question, is it true? Because if it is true, then it is a wake-up call and you need to run. But don't run to where you think you need to run. Don't run to think, all right, I need to be good, I need to obey the law, right? Because if you go down that, it, it, it's empty, isn't it? Because notice what it says in verse 1 of chapter 2, if you fully obey the Lord your God. Well, I can't do that. Can you do that? Don't run to where you think you need to go because that's going to end in failure. Run to the one who fully obeyed the Lord, Jesus Christ. He is the only one who kept every single law. He is the only one who truly deserved the blessed life and yet chose to experience the curse. Galatians 3 verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. See, if you and I truly knew how bad the curse would be, if we truly knew, we wouldn't choose it, would we? But Jesus fully knew how horrible it would be, experiencing hell on that cross, and yet voluntarily, willingly, intentionally went to that cross to experience hell itself, the curse of God placed on him so that you can experience blessing at his expense. The blessing that Jesus gives is beyond comprehension. I love Ephesians 1, and particularly verse 3, where it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not some, not a few, every. I love that word. And then it lists all the buffet of blessings that you have in Christ, that you're chosen, you're wanted, every sin you've done, removed, cleaned, washed, forgiven. You're a child of God. You're loved lavishly. God's revealed the mystery of his will, and an inheritance that is coming your way. I don't know if you think about your inheritance. You probably do and you don't. But God wants you to think about your internal inheritance. Because as a child of God, as a co-heir of Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, it's coming. And I don't know how big or small your inheritance that you may or may not receive, but the inheritance that you receive because you're a child of God is beyond comprehension. One of the problems I have with the prosperity gospel is that it aims too low. Good health, good wealth in this life. No, no, no. All eternity. The blessings to come. Heaven is blessings on steroids. 
and it'll make Balmoral look like a dump. And what I love about these blessings that are coming is the certainty that you can have to know they're on their way. Because notice in Ephesians 1, it says, in Christ. You access them not in James Galileo, in yourself, but in Christ. That these blessings are not earned or deserved, they are given. And the way you know is because you have faith, not in yourself, but in the one who fully obeyed the Lord Jesus Christ and clinging to him. And he gives you a certainty. In a couple of weeks, my wife and I, God willing, are going to Port Douglas on our 10-year wedding anniversary. But to be honest, with the situation we're in with COVID, I'm anxious. We might check in somewhere that becomes a hot spot, boom, all gone. I have no idea whether we'll get there or not. I'm hoping we are, but there's a cloud of uncertainty. God doesn't want you to have the same uncertainty when it comes to heaven. He wants you to know that when you die, that is your future, guaranteed. Because it is not you, but who you cling to. Because as long as the Father is happy with the Son, He's happy with you. But finally, what about today? June 13. How do the blessings and the curses apply to the Christian now? Because we know, you know, forgiven, you're redeemed, heaven's weight, that's guaranteed. But what impact does obeying God's word actually have on our life? Now, most Christians 2021 love the verse that Jesus said, I have come to what? Give you life and life to the full. We love that verse. You go out surfing because of it, you know, get a manicure. You know, like God wants to have life to the full. Cool, whatever. But in the context, Jesus is saying that he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. We need to listen to his voice and not to the voices of others. See, the life that Jesus brings, this fulfilled life, very much revolves around will you listen to the shepherd, will you obey God's word? Because the closer you are to walking in step with the giver of life, the more fulfilled life you have. The further you walk away from God's ways and enjoy sin, the more taste of death it leaves. Now, as Christians, we do not experience the curse. Jesus experienced that. But God loves his children too much for us to wander, to think that we can hold on to sin and hold on to a saviour. As Hebrews 12 says, God disciplines us. As his children, when we continually and perpetually disobey God, he does bring discipline, hardship into our life so that we would repent and wake up and return back to his ways. That he does things in your life to humble you, expose you, teach you, to show you. Now, let me clarify. Not all suffering happens in your life because of your behavior, right? We know we live under the universal blessing and curse. But if you're a Christian, he's saying, who thinks and behaves in a way that ignores God, intentionally so. You might be the Christian couple who are living together, sleeping together, not married. You may be the Christian who's habitually lying or engaging in horoscopes or greedy or the bully or whatever it may be. Do not be surprised 
if God brings discipline into your life because he loves you too much for you to think that what you're doing is okay. That God disciplines us to show us that life is found when we obey him in his ways. But when it comes to living a blessed life, I've been reflecting, what does it look like? And so this week, there was a moment where I had to share with someone that they'd profoundly hurt me. Now, I did that because God's word says, do not harbor bitterness. Bitterness. 